I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another Squawk 7000 podcast. I'm just back from Kinsale and it was a great pleasure to meet so many of our listeners who all told me they like to listen to our podcast while walking. Well, this week, get ready for a good, healthy stroll, as we've got a lot of people to talk to. This weekend past saw Kinsale's inaugural aviation festival, established to promote Ireland's rich and extensive aviation history. The event was organised by the Flying Poet Aviation Café and Bookshop in Kinsale and supported by the Irish Historic Flight Foundation, Good Body Stockbrokers and Avalon. And as the event prepared for takeoff on Saturday afternoon last, I caught up with organisers Paolo Massolini and Joe Gill. I asked Joe to explain how come the event was being held in the Kinsale Yacht Club. Uh, the reason why we're here is because the Commodore of the Yacht Club is a former captain with Aer Lingus and he agreed to give us the facility for free this afternoon so that's basically why we're here but also it's a beautiful room and it uh, suits uh, the actual occasion. Now an event like this probably also you're hoping for a bit of a legacy to it you want it to continue? That's the plan um, we've, we've, we've set up this one uh, in its own right to be uh, around it um, but we're thinking about doing it on an annual basis and one of the themes we're thinking about right now for next year is the 100th anniversary of the Irish Air Corps. That's going to be a very big event, of course. And if you were to wander down the streets in Kinsale, you wouldn't be too long before you'd actually find some aviation. Well, we've already chatted to you in The Flying Poet. How has it been since we've been chatting to you? It has been surprisingly great, especially what, what I enjoy is the people that aren't very much, aren't aviation orientated when they get into the cafe and they see all these historic photos. They really are sort of or, or dumbstruck, if that's the right word. But they love the photos, they love the history. So besides the aviation guys coming, crawling out the woodwork, I should say, <laughs> it's the, uh, the, the, the sort of man in the street or the lady in the street that, that uh, all of a sudden, wow, this is aviation. It's bringing aviation to them. Back to the festival. As I said, we're here minutes before it's due to start. Um, we'll talk to you again when it's over at, at the end of the podcast too. Uh, so what's, what's the anticipation for you? What, what was the focus when, when you sat down and said, let's do this? Well, I, I guess we wanted to celebrate the history of Irish aviation and talk about the current state of uh, Irish aviation, which is in rude good health, and maybe talk a bit about the future. 
Um, and also, as part of it, we want to um, award the uh, Aviation Valor Award, and that's a very important part of today's uh, event. So we've broken it up into three segments. There is a presentation at the beginning about the role of Ireland in the global commercial aviation industry. It's followed by a presentation from the chairman of the Irish Historic Flight Foundation about what the foundation is doing, what it plans to do in the future. And then thirdly, we're going to um, honour the crew of a US Air Force aircraft that carried 823 refugees from Kabul to Qatar on August the 15th. And we've got a presentation uh, for that crew, uh, which includes an interview with them. Well, all I can say that uh, anyone listening to us on this particular episode might be surprised to find that the organisers are actually, with minutes to go, have actually got a pint on the table. So enjoy the pint, and we look forward to the rest of the, of the weekend. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, the history of um, aviation in Ireland and how it connects into the global commercial aviation industry. And there's various angles around this that are really interesting from the point of view of politics, entrepreneurship, um, technology, geography, uh, and the development of global commercial aviation over the last 100 years, in which Ireland is inextricably linked. And uh, we can go all the way back to 1919 to start uh, this particular story. and. And um, that was when um, we had the first non-stop flight across the Atlantic. So what I'll be talking about is the way in which the development of commercial aviation has um, developed over the last 100 years, how some of that has been marked by pioneering flights, which involved Ireland in one way or another, um, how Ireland has developed uh, generations of very successful aviation entrepreneurs in the airline industry, and particularly laterally in the aircraft financing industry, and how aircraft leasing has grown to be... Um, Joe, we've just heard your presentation, particularly setting in context the importance of Ireland uh, when it comes to aviation. Fascinating history and the memorabilia that you presented to us. Yeah, well, what we're trying to do is connect the two. So we have a whole series of um, pioneering breakthroughs over the last 100 years that uh, matter to global aviation, starting with the Vicar Vimy flight in 1919, the nonstop flight, and followed up with the Bremen flight in 32, or 28, I should say, and Amelia Earhart in 32, and then the Foynes flying boat um, base and so on. And all of these are important parts of the jigsaw to understand the way that commercial air travel has developed over the past 100 years. So so we've managed to secure memorabilia related to pretty much all of those flights. And we've collected those and various members in the Historic Flight Foundation, either individually or as a foundation, we've gathered together these so we can make them available to people to see history in real life. And an interesting story is to how some of them were sourced. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the most important part of the archive was secured from a collector called Ronnie Volk in Zurich. And um, myself and McKicky, the chair of the foundation, flew to Zurich on a Friday night. We had dinner with Ronnie. We spent the following day in his house, which was absolutely packed full of memorabilia of all sorts. And we went through uh, loads of files to just take out the stuff that mattered to Ireland. And then we had to uh, choose various bits of that that we could afford to pay. Uh, and then we collected that and we've got it in our archive now. So he had spent decades collecting Irish aviation memorabilia. And all of it is really important and some of it's quite unique. 
I was fascinated by the comment you made that uh, one trip was able to, you know, influence the aviation industry to get themselves across the Atlantic. And you were somewhat critical of the aircraft manufacturers at the moment about going green. You call yeah. it greenwashing. Yeah. Well, I, I just think uh, what's been said by the major manufacturers, Airbus and Boeing, about when they're going to get to zero emission flying, uh, they're talking about 2050, which is 29 years away. And I compare that with what happened in 1960 when the Americans decided to go to the moon with computing power that was infinitesimal compared to what we have today and in 10 years they had done it or in the 1930s when one trip decided he wanted to migrate from propeller driven uh, smaller aircraft to jet travel across oceans 500 miles an hour 35,000 feet safely carrying hundreds of passengers they did that in 10 years and here we have in 2021 the global aircraft manufacturing might telling us it'll take 29 years to crack zero emission flying I just think it's unacceptable given um, the challenges facing uh, the world currently and um, I think regulators and politicians and particularly the customers of these manufacturers need to step up and say that we require an acceleration of innovation and engineering skill to crack this great challenge and it's just another one of these great challenges um, that the world has been set and rather than being defeatist about it I think we can engineer our way through this and I think that some of the stuff that's coming out of various parts of the industry about we'll have it all solved by 2050 is greenwashing it's an excuse it's kick it down the road Road. None of them and none of us will probably be in our careers in 29 time, nine years' time. Now is the opportunity to do it. Finally, of course, at the event, there's the Valor Award. And in a moment, we'll hear some uh, from the crew themselves. You had an opportunity to chat with them. But tell us about the importance of that. I, I just think um, part of aviation is, is, is in the whole area of being able to do something positive for society and nothing exemplifies that like humanitarian flight and to be able to take 823 refugees out of Kabul in the middle of a very difficult situation on an airplane that shouldn't carry more than 335 passengers. This crew broke all the rules because they felt that was more important than uh, actually leaving a lot of people behind. There was 183 children on that aircraft and to achieve that, we thought, was a, a remarkable feat um, of aviation valour. So that's the purpose of the award, and that's why they'd be given it. And we were very fortunate to get to talk to them. It took about a month for the US Air Force legal people to agree to it. Um, but then when we had them, they were effusive in terms of explaining to us what had happened and why it had happened. Uh, people listening to this, we'll hear the uh, crew in a moment. But what you won't see is the look on the face of the loadmaster with his 19 years of experience. This guy seems fairly unflappable. Yeah, I thought that was that was really interesting because um, the captain deferred to him in terms of uh, deciding how to manage this load. And clearly, that particular loadmaster had the knowledge, understanding, appreciation of the situation. And he took he stepped up and said, we're going to do this. And he told the captain we could take off with 823 people on board. Like, you can hear some of the air traffic control commentary during the flight where the air traffic controllers are just amazed this many people are on this plane. Uh, and yet it was all down to one, I think, the cockpit crew having the guts to go for it and then the skill and knowledge of the loadmasters to say we're going to go. And that's why I think having the whole crew receive the award is really important. So we commissioned uh, an individual statuette for each of the seven member crew and that's been shipped down to them over the next uh, couple of weeks. Well, let's hear your interview with the crew now. Uh, 
and you're very welcome to the presentation of the uh, 2021 Aviation Valor Award on behalf of the Kinsale Aviation Festival. Um, I'm going to read out the citation in full and after that we're going to have a conversation with the crew of the aircraft involved in this remarkable flight. Um, they've been made available to us by the US Air Force very kindly for this festival. The 2021 Aviation Valor Award is presented to the crew of United States Air Force Air Mobility Command Boeing C-17 Globemaster III, serial number 01086. This crew is a unit of the 6th Airlift Squadron from Joint Base McGuire-Dix, Lakehurst, New Jersey in the US. On Sunday, August 15, 2021, operating as REACH 871, this crew completed a mission from Hamad Karzai Airport in Kabul, Afghanistan, when they transported 823 refugees, including 183 children, to Al-Odid Airport in Qatar. This mission, which took place under challenging circumstances, marks a record passenger load for the C-17, whose official passenger carrying capacity is 138 with seat pallets and, in emergency conditions, up to 336 for humanitarian purposes. The crew used their judgment and flying skill to conduct the safe departure of this remarkable flight and in so doing displayed valour in the field of aviation and broke new records for passenger numbers on this aircraft type. This award is presented to the following crew members of REACH 871, Lieutenant Colonel Eric Cutt, Captain Corey Jackson, First Lieutenant Mark Lawson, Technical Sergeant Justin Triola, Airman First Class Nicholas Barron, Staff Sergeant Derek Laurent and Senior Airman Richard Johnson. The organising committee of the Kinsale Aviation Festival is honoured to present this award at a ceremony on November 27, 2021 in Kinsale, County Cork, the Republic of Ireland. So gentlemen, uh, thank you very much uh, for listening to that. Um, I don't know if you can see me, but I have uh, one of the awards here and these will be given to each of you and sent out to you at some stage over the next uh, couple of weeks. But if you could maybe just uh, to start, introduce yourselves um, with your names and where you come from in the States and how much time you spent in the Air Force and your, 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 your functions on the aircraft itself. Yes, sir, I'll start off. And so my name is Lieutenant Colonel Eric Cutt. I hail from New Jersey here in the United States. I've been in the Air Force for just under 20 years, and I was the aircraft commander slash mission commander on the uh, REACH 871 flight. I'll turn over to uh, Captain Lawson. Uh, Captain Mark Lawson, I'm also from New Jersey. I've been in the Air Force about four and a half years, uh, and I was a co-pilot on REACH 871. Technical Sergeant Justin Triola, come from Meadville, Pennsylvania. I've been a loadmaster for approximately 19 years now. I'm uh, A1C Baron, I'm from Florida. I have been in the Air Force for two years and my job is a uh, aircraft loadmaster on the C-17. Okay, thank, thank you very much for that. Uh, and just to give you some context of what this festival is about, it's uh, something that celebrates aviation and the virtues of aviation, both historically and in the current world. Um, this event has been supported by Avalon, which is the third largest aircraft leasing company in the world for commercial aircraft, which is based in Ireland, uh, supported by Goodbody, which is an investment bank that I work for, and finally by the Irish Historic Flight Foundation, which is a not-for-profit organisation that promotes and celebrates the history of Irish aviation and aviation achievements in general um, and for this particular purpose uh, we thought this flight was uh, a pretty remarkable event um, and I'd be very interested to hear you talk about 
the type of conditions and circumstances in which you operated this flight uh, and in particular how you managed uh, decision making around weights and balances and the flight itself because people might not be aware of the type of distance you would have flown and what actually happened during that flight we'd be really interested to hear that yes, sir so first and foremost uh, our crew is honored thank you again we, we're much appreciative this is a great honor for us uh, but what we'd like to just express is that uh, we're grateful for our team, our leadership, our coalition partners, you know, all our partnering nations and everybody that helped accomplish these missions out here over the last several months and getting these people the freedom and the safety uh, that we got them, you know, got them back to. So uh, starting out as a very dynamic situation, right? Well, we were normally just carrying cargo and troops and whatnot, and then it turned into rescuing a bunch of people from turmoil and a, a state, a condition where their lives were at stake. So when it came to weight and balance and safety directives, we felt that the lives of these people were more important. And we knew through our experience and our training, the level that we could take our aircraft to to safely evacuate those individuals from the Taliban control. And so, uh, what, time, what time of the day did the flight take place and how long did it take you to get to your destination? Uh, so we, we were at nighttime. Uh, so it was all through the night and yeah, I mean, it lasted several hours, obviously. And the big thing for us was making sure that we could deliver that hope and freedom and seeing these folks and seeing their, their excitement, knowing that we were going to get them to a better place was what drove us and motivated us to get them out of there. And in terms of the actual flight itself and managing that many people in the hold and making sure the balances were correct and uh, the safe operation of the flight, how did you think about that and how did you manage all of those uh, situations? And I'll turn that over to uh, the load masters here, but uh, I put all my trust and faith in the experience and the expertise of uh, Sergeant Triola, and he'll talk to that. Uh, like the Colonel said, it was all about training. And with 19 years experience loading people and cargo in the airplane, this wasn't too crazy. Uh, it was obviously filled to capacity at the time, but without any option to move around, everybody was safely on board. And this, this airplane is a remarkable asset in its own right. Can you talk a little bit about, in terms of the way it works functionally, what type of missions you can operate with it, given its uh, technical abilities? Um, I'm sure, you know, as you see in videos, uh, the highlight videos of the C-17, obviously it's capable of airdrop, so it can you know, drop troops, equipment, whatnot. Uh, we do humanitarian relief. Uh, obviously, we bring cargo. We can do pallets uh, that, that go on to the, uh, roll onto the jet. We can also drive vehicles onto the aircraft. Uh, we can load helicopters on there, so all kinds of cool different mission sets. It's very capable and it can handle pretty much any mission out there. And it can also land on very short airfields. And it can also land on semi-prepared fields. So we've, we've landed this thing in the dirt before, so it's a very proven aircraft. And in terms of its range, it can go long distances, right? <clears throat> uh, it's air refueling capable, so we can stay airborne all day, all night, and fly around the globe. <laughs> okay, okay. And I should ask you, because people will be interested over here, have you ever flown to Ireland or over Ireland? Uh, I have actually flown to Ireland, and I can't wait to get back. I love it. It's absolutely gorgeous there. So uh, we were just talking about that before, how uh, maybe we can do some uh, training sorties over there with you guys. We'd love <laughs> yeah. to actually come over there and do a lot of training because it's so beautiful. Well, that'd be great because next year is the 100th anniversary of the Irish Air Corps, so I'm sure they'd be keen to celebrate in any way possible uh, with you. And I think uh, the community in Kinsale as well, if you're ever over here in any sort of um, private uh, uh, role, just traveling through Ireland or whatever, please make sure you look us up in Kinsale because people will be delighted to take you out for a meal or a good game of golf in some of our <laughs> local golf courses. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.
Big Kiki, what are the names mentioned in the event here in Kinsale? And of course, it's been fascinating to find out about this archive that you guys have been able to get your hands on. Yes, we were very fortunate. Uh, we were approached by Michael Trainer, who's a, a very good friend of, of uh, Ronnie, who had put the collection together in, in, in Switzerland. Uh, and he was faced with the choice of, of going out to the market or, and dispersing this, uh, this collection that he'd spent so much time putting together. Uh, and uh, through Michael, he approached us and he said, well, we'd be interested. And of course, the, when we heard what was in the collection, we thought, okay, well, we've got to get all, go over there and see it and see what's involved. Um, and myself and uh, Joe Gill, um, good buddies Joe Gill, who's, who's uh, heavily involved in the Irish Historic Flight Foundation with myself and the rest of the team, we went over to Switzerland, uh, spent a, a, a night and a day with Ronnie looking through the collection. And uh, it, was, it was quite amazing, actually, because uh, Ronnie is, is a character, is a real character, uh, a, 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 you know, a veteran collector of, of, of uh, aviation pieces. And going into his house and seeing the, 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 the pieces that he had in his house was just quite incredible. He had, a, he had this real traditional Swiss-style house. Uh, and we went up to the top floor and he had books and memorabilia everywhere. And in fact, so much that you almost expected the house, the, the top of the, 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 the roof of the house to be, to be coming in because they had so much material. And uh, we, spent a, we spent a fantastic afternoon just going through that information. Um, came back determined that we were going to, we were going to get it, that we weren't going to see this, this get dispersed to the four winds. And uh, we were fortunate. We worked with, we got great support from the Irish Aviation Authority, Eamon Brennan in particular. Yeah, we all know Eamon now is with, with uh, Eurocontrol. Um, and uh, we, we managed to get the funds together to, to, to secure it. And since then, we've... Um, We've lent it out to various different different, different uh, uh, museums and, and outlets who've been who displayed certain of the certain parts of the of, of the collection. Um, and our next real goal with the, with with, the, with this memorabilia is to catalogue it and make it available online to the Irish Historic Flight Foundation website. I think what's really interesting as well. I mean, you know, a lot of people know the foundation, the work that it does, the aircraft you have, etc. But you were very keen also in your presentation this evening to talk about a place that students could visit. Yes, I think that you know that's that's really one of the, the the key goals of the of the historic flight is to use aviation as a platform to uh, explain science and engineering um, activity to young people and to attract them into science and engineering based uh, uh, employment study and to make it uh, to make it uh, make it appealing to people and I think we have we have the perfect platform because we have the aircraft we have the aircraft and, and I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether you're young or old to see these vintage aircraft that we have flying the the, the the sound they make, the the, the, the very basic engineering uh, that, that that's in them, it's something that attracts people. And if we can then use that as a platform to explain hydraulics, explain how engi how engines work, explain the theory of flight, and as that use that as an introduction into science and what science does all around us every day. Uh, and I think that's what we need to do. I and mean, we don't just need to do it in Ireland; we need to do you know on a, on a further afield because so many kids these days their 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 attention, their focus is on their phones, it's on their iPads, and you know we need to get them out. And we, but we can only do it if we offer them something that's uh, uh, attractive and that, that, that will, 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 will draw their attention. So that's what, we, that's what we hope to do. You know, there's fantastic work being done in the museums around the country in preserving aircraft. But isn't there something, too, about an aircraft that isn't 
static in a museum that actually the engine starts and it flies yeah I mean you know there's there's one of the, one of the in terms of our vision for for, for this uh, centre we don't talk about museums I think we, we talk about it and experience centres and I think the experience centre is fine you know I love avi- I love I love aviation I love old, old aircraft I, I've been to many uh, museums static museums and you know they're, they're fine but they're you know it's just it's you see one static aircraft and you've seen you've seen you've essentially seen them all I think if you can have a, a flying aircraft something that's real that that, that where people are involved in it it actually works it takes the it takes the the technical thing that you're trying to explain it takes it from just a static object all the way through to flying in the air and what's involved in that and that that really is a story that people can buy into very very easily and for young people I think that's essential Air shows 2022. Do you reckon we'll see airplanes in the air again? Oh, we'd love to. We'd love to. Um, you know, I think the the, uh, the reality is that air shows uh, these days, and you know, the Bray Air Show was phenomenally successful. Again, a brainchild of Eamon Brennan, um, who really was a visionary. I think uh, in, in terms of his the way he he saw the contribution of aviation in in Ireland to and to Ireland, and the need to bring all the various parties together under under one umbrella, which the Bray Air Show was, was, was able to do that. I think that, that what that did for the community, I mean, we had 100,000 people turning up. We had, you know, gridlock around, around Bray for people trying to get there. I think it would be great to see it, um, but we do need a sponsor. That's the reality of it. We need somebody who can, who, who, who can, uh, who can see the benefit of the, of, of the Bray Air Show, the, of what the Bray Air Show can do. And I think that, you know, that's, that type of uh, the financial support is going to have to come from a government level. It really is, because, you know, why would any single individual want to, you know, individual or organisation that might have the wherewithal? Why would they do it? It's 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 hard to come see that they would sponsor it. So I think that we, you know, we really need to uh, recognise the contribution of air shows to the the, the the benefit they make to this country and and, and step up and, and get behind it and support it. Uh, and I know that um, there is there is uh, somebody who's who's trying to put it together. Um, and uh, you know, I know he would love to have somebody knock on his door and say, look. You know we're prepared to we're prepared to support this, but I do think it needs to come from the government uh, and to Eamon Ryan's party, uh, or not this party, but Eamon Ryan through the Department of Transport is probably the ideal one that needs to step forward and, and provide that finance. You've three lovely chipmunks and a steerman. Anything new coming to the collection? Yes, we're just waiting to, to take delivery of a Reams rocket uh, from uh, the, the Air Corps and Department of Defence have very kindly donated a, a, an aircraft to us. Um, so, you know, this is a this is a continuation of a long-standing relationship that we have with, with both the, the Department of Defence and the Air Corps uh, and the support we've had from them over the years have been phenomenal. So the aircraft is, is we're, we're, going, we're slightly different than the other recipients of the, of the other uh, uh, Reams rockets aircraft and that we're going to operate it. Yeah. Uh, so, it, and that's that's. I think that is is in terms of what these aircraft deserve. It's that it's that it's that uh, restoration. And there's not much restoration involved in this. In fairness, it's 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 been uh, uh, stored for the last couple of years by the Air Corps. They maintain it extremely well. So it's one of the longest flying Cessnas in the world. <laughs> it is, yeah, absolutely. And so you know, it, you can imagine how delighted we are to be to. to, to, to and to I get said that. there's no shortage of lads and lasses who know how to fly that too, because of course there's so many people who went through the Air Corps would have flown them. That's correct, you know, and, and, and that's the, the, the that's one of the, the key things about the about the aircraft. 
aircraft. Um, I suppose when we talk about uh, people, you know, we, we, we never really have a shortage of pilots. Um, we are very fortunate that we have a great group of engineers who are involved with us. Uh, Ollie Murphy, who would be known throughout the industry, you know, as a, as, as a, uh, a highly skilled, doesn't even do it justice to what is the capability that he has um, and, and, and his team. But, we, you know, we're always on the lookout for, for volunteers with, with, with good mechanical background who can, who can come along and help us. You mentioned in your presentation, too, that you want to keep the skills of uh, looking after these aircraft alive as well. Yeah, and I think that, that's that's really fortunate. And, and uh, we touched on that there when we were talking about the, 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 the volunteers that we have led under under uh, under uh, Ollie's leadership. Um, I think that's really, really important that, that, we, that we can uh, continue to attract people in, into this. Uh, and I think the, the difficulty for us as an organisation is we don't really have the time or the wherewithal to be able to take people with zero skills and bring them in. So we're, we're really looking for people who have that skill set already. Maybe it has it has sat on the shelf in terms of they haven't used it for a while, but they're easily brought up to a level where we can where, where you know the the whole certification and the oversight that we need to apply becomes a lot easier for us to to, to administer. Um, so you know if there are people out there who want to want to get back in who've worked on aircraft and would have a bit of time in their hands now, would love to get involved, and we would be very welcome to see you. We'll be back with more after this short break. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Michael Trenner, you've been a guest with us on the podcast before, but you're here this evening. Uh, I didn't realise the connection you had with the Historic Flight Foundation's treasure trove. There was a friend of mine, Michael, uh, Ronnie Voigt in Zurich, and Ron, Ronnie and myself know each other about 20 years. He had what I would call the 
biggest collection of Irish aviation memorabilia and artefacts in the world. And after collecting them for 30 years, he decided he was going to dispose of them. And we we've been chatting about it and finding a home for it was going to be a problem. His house in Zurich occupies about three floors and he invited me over to Zurich to have a look at these items. I was astonished, overwhelmed at what I saw and I, I couldn't believe it. And he said, look, these are going to go to auction houses within the next couple of months. And I just thought, no, because once they go to an auction house, they're going to be dispersed, scattered all over the world. The Lord only knows where they'll end up. I came back to Ireland. I met with one of the people who I had never encountered before, but I took a a cold call to a man called Mick Hickey, Mm -hmm. chairman of the Irish Historic Flight Foundation. I put it to him about this collection, and immediately, without hesitation, he said, we need to get that collection back to Ireland intact. Himself and Joe Gill uh, went over to Zurich to Ronnie's house. They struck a deal and the items thankfully are back restored on the island of Ireland for the benefit of the Irish public in years to come. The price was Ronnie being a Swiss gentleman, he names a price, not like the Irishman where you haggle, you name your price, that's it with the Swiss. There was no spitting on hands. No. There was none of that. There was none of that. Ah, she'll take a few pound less. No. Luck money. And Mick gracefully and thankfully uh, said thank you very much, did the deal and it's back on the island of Ireland. Anything in particular? We heard a couple of the items that are in it. Was anything particularly caught your attention? Personally, yes, there was. The Amelia Earhart collection uh, caught my eye and that was the one I purchased myself. Uh, primarily because the following year was the anniversary of her transatlantic flight. It was the same anniversary. I think it was the 120th of her birth. It was the 80th of her uh, disappearance and the 85th of her crossing of the Atlantic. So I... I took a shine to that collection, which included one of the envelopes, uh, one of the 50 envelopes that she bought on that, brought on that flight across the Atlantic. And uh, I moved it on to the uh, museum in Derry where the ladies are celebrating her, her achievement. Mm. So that was my collection. But the rest, uh, thankfully, was, is with the IHFF. We can hear in the background, I think they're unloading a trawler by the sound of it, and it's getting a bit nippy, so we'll head in shortly. Yeah. But one final thing, you've been here busily signing your book, of course, your books, The Petticoat Pilots. Thankfully, there's great interest in them, and two years since the launch, and they're they're really going very well. I'm very pleased with them. Great, great Christmas present. Let's get ourselves in out of the cold. Yep, thank you. Kevin Humphreys, you're here in Kinsale and it's been a really fantastic event reassuring people just about the role of aviation. You have a bit of a history in it yourself. Well, I have a history in it myself, but what I would like to comment on is the wonderful presentation given by Joe Gill today and I think the most significant point he made was the importance of the political element because, you know, it was Michael Collins that set up the Air Corps and the Air Service, which was to be both a civil and military 
Ministries service. Uh, Sean Lamasse tried to get us on the Atlantic post-war in 1947, and with the change of government, we had five constellations which were sold to the UK for sterling, even though we, post-war we had enough dollars to buy them on our own, which set us back 10 years before we got back on the Atlantic uh, in, with Seaboard and Western, and then subsequently with the 707s with Aer Lingus. So the political thing is very important. The other political thing, of course, was that it was the late Seamus Brennan who deregulated and allowed the flourishing of what's now the most famous airline in the world, uh, the, the Ryanair, which has democratized aviation for everybody. It's remarkable that a person in Finland can fly now to the Canaries on his holidays for the same price that he used to get him from the top of Finland to the capital city, Helsinki. I'm not going to let an opportunity go without tapping into a little bit of your story as well. Like, Where does flying start for you? Was it the Air Corps? Or were you in an airplane before that? No. Oh, well, I was in an airplane before the Air Corps. Yes, my father. Uh, when the Department of Transport used to run the airports, my father was involved in management in Shannon. And uh, I spent a lot of time in the control tower in Shannon as a kid and watching uh, airplanes. Uh, in those days, nearly everybody stopped in Shannon for juice or repairs. Shannon Repair Services, a very famous company. And um, then I joined the Air Corps and we were talking about the chimpunk, chipmunk today. And uh, I went solo in my 19th, on my 19th birthday in Chipmunk 199. <laughs> And from the Air Corps, where did you go next? Well, I spent 18 years in the Air Corps, which was a fantastic career. I ran the government jet service for seven years. I was the first aircraft on scene at the Fastnet disaster. Uh, I did communication flights for the Air India disaster. And we did a lot of search and rescue, fishery patrols, a uh, wonderful career. Retired and joined the Air Navigation Services Office of the Department of Transport. And at that time, in 1987, uh, they ran the functions of the Irish Aviation Authority. And we subsequently, uh, in 1994, we facilitated the development of Guinness Peach through Article 83 biz of the ICAO Convention. Uh, we developed the markets for them. We used the uh, international facility for delegation of functions to allow the um, leasing industry to develop. And then, of course, we facilitated the development of Ryanair. Then in 1994, with the establishment of the Irish Aviation Authority, I set up the Accident Investigation Unit, uh, and I stayed there for 14 years before returning as Director of Safety Regulation in the IAA. You also have taught and teach? Yes, I lecture in aviation studies and aviation management in the Carlo Institute of Technology. And um, for some time, I s lectured on the Masters in Aviation Studies in DCU. Very enjoyable. I have a sense, Kevin, you and I will be chatting again in another podcast. But let me ask you one or two quick questions to finish. Your favorite airplane? My favorite airplane would be the Fuga Magister. 
Really? Yeah. I was very lucky as a young fella to be sent to France to collect these airplanes. I was one of the first four pilots uh, and spent nearly six months between delivering two at a time from France. And I met some amazing people in the French aircraft industry. For example, people who had worked in the French aviation industry who had been captured by the Germans and forced to work as slave laborers in the German uh, aircraft manufacturing. Uh, met some people who had been in the French resistance. Um, met some people who had been in the military tribunals after Algeria. Met some people who delivered fugas to the Gabon and former French protectorates. And this, for a 23-year-old, was an amazing education. Now, there's one other thing, of course. You'll have touched the lives of many pilots who might be listening to this because you were also an examiner at one stage. I still am. Still are? I still am. I must be the oldest one in Europe. <laughs> I just passed my air medical the other day. Uh, I'm 70. And uh, I have to. I, I think I'll have to do a medical every week soon. <laughs> you know these regulators. Yeah, absolutely. But it is one of those things that uh, you know every, every pilot remembers their, their who their examiner was. I think I missed you by a couple of weeks. I ended with Brian McDonnell as my examiner. But one remembers that moment where it stands out in the fella's head. Well, Brian McDonnell was the chief flying instructor in Gormanston when I started my flying. And on my second solo flight, I kind of undershot the runway at Gormanston and hopped into the pitch and put course under a cable, landed short of the markers on runway 13 at Gormanston, taxied clear. Whereupon a, a Sergeant Malone, who was the air traffic controller, said, my call sign was Papa Charlie, pupil. So Papa Charlie reported to the control tower, where Brian McDonald, who was the chief flying instructor, grabbed me by the neck, hung me over the balcony at the control tower at Gormans and said, you'll never do that again. <laughs> Kevin, thank you for chatting to us. My pleasure. Thank you. Feel free to hang around here for a little bit. There's a number of photographs on the wall that uh, make it organised. They're taken from our own collection and they're kind of pieces of history to do with Irish revolution. There's some really interesting stuff uh, on the windows, including the blessing of the early speak back in the 1950s, which is a remarkable photograph. There's a number of others here of how people were moved from airplane to terminal and so on. So please feel free to hang around and look at those. Um, otherwise, like I said, um, the Flyport Cafe. Uh, if you want a bit of aviation in the local town, actually, uh, the Tap Tavern is the place to go because the Tap Tavern family have a daughter who married an astronaut. And that astronaut uh, has called the Tap Tavern from the, the International Space Station a number of times over the last 10 years. So there's loads of photographs in there of the phone calls. So more importantly, there's great points of beach in there. So that's me we should go. And we'll see you uh, in Fishy Fishy at 8 o'clock. Uh, like I said, tomorrow morning at 11 o'clock, we're going to donate most of the proceeds of this festival to the uh, community around us, and they're coming along with there are people uh, to the Flying Boat Cafe to get that. Um, and aside from that, I think there's nothing else, so thank you very much.
Karen O'Sullivan, you're here from the Community Air Ambulance and our outside the Flying Poet and you've just received a cheque. We have, we've received a very generous cheque of a thousand euros and we're very grateful to be here this morning. What is the work done by your organisation that's particularly different because you're charity funded? We're charity funded, yes. At the moment we receive, we currently receive no government funding. So it's important that we create awareness and, you know, get the backing of our, you know, individual donors and companies out there in Ireland. What we're doing is we're tasked to emergency um, incidents uh, at any time throughout the year. So our crew work seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, we work in conjunction with the National Ambulance Service. So if they receive a call that requires a hospital transfer or requires us to be on site, they will let us know and we will be there available to support them. Typically, what's the cost of one of your, your missions? So the average cost of one tasking is €3,500. Um, we anticipate that our taskings over the Christmas period are going to cost us around €40,000. So the cost is significant, but we have some amazing supporters out there. And if that continues, you know, we hope for a very fruitful year next year. And the funding you got this morning will help? Absolutely. We're very, very grateful. And supporters like these that are, you know, keeping us doing what we're doing, um, it's, it's a fantastic donation. And we're very grateful to the team here and you know it'll go a long way it'll go towards you know a, a very very important mission gentlemen we're at the end of the event we're here in the flying poet people are having their final cups of coffee before they hit the road how would you describe the event? Are you pleased with it, Joe? Yeah, it was uh, it was a real success. We were delighted with the number of people who arrived, especially given circumstances with COVID. So we had full attendance for the session yesterday. Um, and the highlights in that, including the interview with the US Air Force crew, I think went down very well. I think people also got to understand uh, the role of the Irish Historic Flight Foundation and the ambition of the foundation in terms of promoting and supporting aviation in Ireland. So uh, that was really good. And then last night we had a great session in one of the restaurants in Fishy Fishy in Kinsale um, and we're just here this morning um, donating the proceeds to the uh, community air ambulance so we just completed that and I think for in terms of the way we think about the future there's an opportunity to maybe do this every year mm. uh, and to maybe grow and develop it and use it as a platform to promote various aspects of Irish aviation. Paulo, for you this was a, a, an idea a notion what a couple of weeks or months ago you're pleased with the way it's come out? Absolutely, and I uh, cannot thank Joe enough um, upon meeting Joe in June, that sort of not fateful Sunday, that, that wonderful Sunday. And if it wasn't for Joe Gill, we wouldn't have put this together. And for me, uh, being a new sort of kid on the block in aviation, to meet Irish aviation leaders across this whole spectrum of, of aviation has been, has been really... Uh, I'm so grateful to Joe for that. You know? so, so the idea of the restaurant, the, the, the idea of the coffee shop where we are now, and you wanted people to put up a couple of pictures, you're running out of wall space. I never will run out of wall space. <laughs> I'll use the floor, I'll use the ceiling, I'll use, even use the toilets. <laughs> so um, there's still a lot of space available. But, and I and I'd move pictures around, I'd change photos, and especially some of my stuff that's just there to get the ball rolling, I'll put the Irish... Uh, uh, photos on the wall so I will always have space feeling of optimism at the end of the weekend absolutely especially with the flying poet and putting it on the map as to as so to say absolutely and uh, it's all now up to as we move forward with the restrictions hopefully as the new year starts and uh, the COVID restrictions um, reduce or become more manageable then we can plan a lot more events like this you know? of course uh, all artists have a great first album yeah. <laughs> what's the second album going to be like how do you follow this up? I guess that's that's going to be one of the challenges but what was really pleasing about the weekend is the 
um, the quality of people who actually came from different parts of the industry. Like we've got chief executives of uh, maintenance, repair and operation, um, our overhaul businesses. Uh, we've got some very senior people from the leasing community. We've got very senior people from the airline industry. All came down, spent time here, and we'll be talking to them about kind of ideas that we might work on for next year. But most certainly, I think a focus point could be um, the 100th anniversary of the Irish Air Corps, given their importance and value to Irish society over that time. Well, from all those in Kinsale, thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.